Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, can you think of your most embarrassing moment? It was probably when someone found out something about you that you are shy about or something you don't even like about yourself. Or perhaps you or someone you were with did or said something inappropriate that you are ashamed of and you are uncomfortable that other people know about it. And we don't like to be embarrassed. People will go to great lengths to keep their faults and their weaknesses hidden from others. We do not enjoy it when God confronts us in the Ten Commandments with our sins against him and against our neighbor. And many people deny that they are sinners at all, certainly not deserving judgment. And as a result, they have no idea why anyone would bother to be a Christian. What would drive a person to thank God for the privilege of making sacrifices as a living member of his church? They ask the question of Lord's Day 23, but what does it help you now that you believe all this? We read three passages today, Genesis 3, Zechariah 3, and Luke 18, that give us three pictures to answer that question, describing what God did for those who believe in him. And all these three passages reveal to us that it is a very good thing to be a Christian, because whoever trusts in God and believes in Jesus Christ, does not ever need to be embarrassed before God because of his or her sins. When Christ appears, we who believe in Jesus Christ may have confidence to face him and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. And that is because whoever believes in Jesus Christ is righteous before God. We'll see this in the three ways. First, God gave garments to naked Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, verse 21. Secondly, God gave clean clothes to impure Joshua. And finally, God justified the sinful, humble tax collector in Luke 18, verse 14. Before the fall into sin... We read that Adam and Eve were both naked and they were not ashamed. Genesis 2, verse 25. After they had disobeyed God and eaten the fruit that he had commanded them not to eat, the first thing they noticed was their nakedness. You see that in Genesis 3, verse 7. The loincloths that they had made for themselves out of fig leaves did not help them to feel less naked before God. And the Lord explains that the awareness of their nakedness and their fear was the result of eating from the tree which he commanded them not to eat. Before they had disobeyed God and eaten from the tree, there was no need for shame or fear because they had been made in the image of God 
and nothing they desired was morally wrong or displeasing to God. However, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God by eating from the tree, they made the eternal creator and judge of the universe their enemy. And all of a sudden, they realized how weak and vulnerable they were. Hebrews 4 verse 13 captures it clearly when it speaks about the power of the Spirit of God in 12 and then adds in, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command, it was like they, they came out from under the cover of God's grace and then tried to face him based on their own merits. No wonder the fig leaf underwear did not help them to feel less afraid. Adam and Eve immediately recognized their nakedness, even with the fig leaves wrapped around them. They had sinned against the most high majesty of God. It was hard to, to look into the eyes of God. It was embarrassing to have his holy splendor near them. We read, as we also confess in the Belgic Confession, Article 17, they trembling fled from him. But not just because they were embarrassed. It was a lot more serious than that. They had disobeyed his command, and now they deserve death. Not just physical death someday, but also spiritual death and condemnation. The first sign of their death was the recognition of their own nakedness, their fear of being seen by God, the one, the only one who could bring life. Romans 5 verse 12 tells us that this death that came into the world through one man now spreads to all people. And that is why today so many people continue to be afraid to see God afraid to have the light of his, his law exposing what lives in their hearts, their sinful desires. God's holiness continues to make us feel naked. If he left us in that place without helping him, no one could stand up in his judgment. But what did God do? We read that God replaced the leaves with garments made out of animal skins, and he clothed them. These clothes didn't hide their true selves from God who, who knew them inside and out, but it showed to them that God cared about them, even in their pride. In his grace, God gave proud rebels temporary relief from their nakedness, and the possibility of feeling human dignity in the, in the presence of God rather than the despair and humiliation in the eyes of everyone around. From then on, God made it clear that in a fallen world, he reserves the vulnerability of nakedness for the safe and non-judgmental relationship of marriage. He urges us to remember the work of Christ even as we dress ourselves, as we choose what clothes we put on our bodies still today. God came down not to laugh at their nakedness, the sin of Ham 
in Genesis 9, not to delight in their shame of nakedness, but he came to take the shame of that nakedness upon himself. He sent his son to die for the ungodly while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God. He came to clothe his children with the righteous deeds of Jesus Christ. This is a gospel that we celebrate together in Revelation 19. God didn't just give Adam and Eve another chance to prove themselves. He didn't come and just ask them to try and make some better clothes for themselves, but he clothed them. All they had to do was accept this gift with a believing heart. Brothers and sisters, when we believe in Jesus Christ, it is like putting out our arms as God fastens the righteousness of Christ onto our shoulders like new and pure garments that cover our shame and allow us to stand without shame in the presence of God Almighty. Since Jesus Christ was not ashamed to call me his brother, I have no reason to be ashamed before the most holy God and creator of the universe. The gospel I proclaim to you today is that of Romans 8, verse 1. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we crossed over from death to life in Jesus Christ, then we can know that even if we dirty the clothes we have received from God, he will continue to show us his grace. And we see that in the second point, that God gave clean clothes to replace the dirty garments of Joshua. Adam and Eve disobeyed the one command when they ate fruit from the tree he commanded them not to eat. The sin of covetousness and idolatry was further defined by the Lord after he delivered them from slavery in Egypt and spoke to them from Mount Sinai. He wanted his people to remain in his grace and favor in their redeemed life, so he showed them in how many ways their choices could bring them further away from true happiness in him. And as time passed, God's people in the desert and the many different kings showed that they could not keep the commandments of God. It's like an inclination to constantly throw away God's grace. Zechariah was a prophet after the Lord had punished the people with the exile for sinning against God's commands. And it was no surprise for the people to hear from this prophet that they were still inclined to all evil. In the vision of Zechariah 3, it's all laid out very clearly for us. You can see, first of all, what was it that made Joshua tremble? It was the same thing that made Isaiah tremble in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the vision of the throne room of God. Uncleanness and iniquity created a barrier between God and man 
making the sinner guilty and worthy of punishment before the holy God. The iniquity was still there even after the punishment of exile. Joshua was in danger there in the presence of the Lord. He trembled in the presence of God, even though he was a high priest, clothed with garments that God had given to the priests to wear so that they would not have to bear guilt and die. We read that Satan was there accusing him. We don't know what the accusations were exactly, but it seems likely that Satan was just pointing to the truth that everybody knew. The Holy Spirit explains that the special priestly robes that covered Joshua's nakedness were filthy. That's what Satan was pointing at. And God told Satan that he knew that Joshua was like a burning stick in the flames. And the, and the angel explained that Joshua's iniquity, his sins, that was the problem. We confess that if we had been there in Joshua's place, our conscience would have joined Satan to accuse us. Even the holiest on earth have to confess that the devil is correct because there is no denying the dirty laundry. Satan is simply repeating what God had already revealed in Romans 3 verse 10 when he says, none is righteous, no, not one. But everyone who believes in Jesus Christ can rebuke Satan together with God because the sins and accusations are only the first part of the story that ends with God's overwhelming grace. What a blessing it is when we keep reading the chapter and we see that God removed the filthy garments from his servant. And he said in verse four, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments with these clean clothes given to him by God most high, Joshua the mediator could remain in the presence of God, could represent his people in the throne room of God. So how was it possible to do this? In Zechariah 3 verses 8 and 9, we read that it was not just an arbitrary act of a fickle God, but in order to maintain his holiness, God found a substitute he promised to bring his servant, the branch of Jesse's line, the promised Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read that there in Zechariah 3, verse 9. I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. Well, the New Testament shows us that this prophecy was fulfilled on the cross when Jesus Christ bore the iniquity of man. He became a sin offering. He became sin. And he bore that punishment. He was punished by God for our filthy garments, for Joshua's filthy garments. Jesus himself announced clearly in John 3, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The branch has come, 
and has taken our iniquity upon himself so that we who believe in him might receive the clean clothes of righteousness. In our confession in Lord's Day 23, we anticipate Satan's accusations. You can look at it. We openly confess that we have dirty garments. We confess that we have grievously sinned against God's commandments. We have never kept any of God's commandments. We are still inclined to all evil. But we also confess the grace of God, maybe with the most important words of the whole New Testament, yet God, or but God. And Jesus Christ paid for all these sins. And so we confess about him. And if you look at your confession, you can, you can maybe even draw the lines between what Christ did and what we did not. He imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, covers the sins we've committed, the righteousness, what we did not do, and the holiness in place of our original sin. Christ's work can be compared to the perfectly pure vestments that Joshua received. And the gospel message is that they are still available for everyone who desires to have them. Do you want to know how it helps you now that you believe all the the Holy Scriptures has revealed? God will give you Christ's righteousness as your own. When we believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord promises that he will remove all the filthy garments of our own deeds and replace them with the new and pure vestments of Christ's deeds. He grants these to us, we confess, as if we had never had nor committed any sin, and as if we ourselves had accomplished all the obedience which Christ has rendered for us. And if our remaining weaknesses cause us to dirty our new life, new garments, the Lord tells us to ask him, and he will make us clean again in the blood of Christ. We turn to him for the forgiveness of our sins and we find it in Christ's complete work. The Son of God has come as our gracious high priest. We sing about that in hymn 42 and hymn 38. And he calls us to come, to humble ourselves before him daily so that we may live our lives justified and righteous in God's sight. We see that God justified the sinful, humble tax collector. Now we're turning to Luke 18. When the Lord Jesus came to earth, he taught the church what it looks like to accept the gift of God with a believing heart. By telling a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector who were both praying in the temple. And our Lord Jesus tells us that the Pharisee trusted in himself that he was righteous, that's in verse nine. Perhaps you could say that he was very proud of the loincloth that he had made out of his fig leaves. He loved the priestly garments he had on, even though they were stained and dripping with mud. 
He thought the law of God confirmed his lifestyle. He did not think that he needed mercy, much less from this Jesus of Nazareth. The Pharisee in Jesus' parables was like one of these people who only goes to church because they think they're doing God a favor, but they don't really think they need it for themselves. If someone asked such a as Pharisee or a person like that, what it helped him to be a Christian, he would probably answer like so many people continue to answer, that it made him feel good. Or it helped him to see his true value. Or it encouraged him by showing how he was better than other people. His conscience did not accuse him to see that he was like a naked Adam and Eve before God. Jesus shows us that the Pharisee didn't see the the filthy sins of pride and contempt in himself because he did not experience the grace of God who mercifully convicts us of our sins, who exposes our nakedness. So we turn to him or righteousness. So what does it look like to accept Christ's work as our own? Jesus tells us that it looks like a tax collector coming before God in prayer. Right from the beginning, it is clear that the tax collector's conscience rightly accused him that he was guilty of greed and extortion and disregard for the law of God. Unlike the Pharisee, the tax collector knew what he deserved. And he knew that it was only by God's grace that he could even lift up his eyes to heaven. The tax collector appears to hate his sins because they offended God. And Jesus tells us that he beat his chest in sorrow. He knew that he was dead forever. If he didn't repent, if he didn't receive God's mercy, he sensed the urgency of the need for the gospel. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the glorious message of the parable is found in Luke 18, verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. God justified the humble tax collector who recognized, confessed his sins and threw himself on God's mercy. And the the gospel message that God continues to bring to us today is that God will always respond like that to those who confess their sins before him. He will take off our iniquity like filthy garments. He will clothe us with the righteousness of Christ so that we no longer need to fear God's judgment or feel ashamed in his presence. We can pray looking at him with joy and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. The big difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector was what they thought they were being saved from. They had different ideas about what it helps us to believe in the triune God. Do you know 
what Jesus Christ saves us from. Many people teach and believe that it's good to go to church for the fellowship. God saves us from loneliness. Or it's good to go to church for the blessings that God gives to his people. God helps us find work or get better from illness. Is that what he's saving us from? Unemployment? Sickness? Jesus Christ teaches us that he saves us from the wrath and the condemnation of a holy God. Our biggest problem is that ever since the fall into sin, we are unrighteous. We are inclined to hate our creator. We cannot save ourselves. The tax collector was justified because he believed that God sent his only son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save it. All he had to do was ask for mercy in Christ's name, and he was justified. He was declared righteous like Christ. Heaven is filled with forgiven sinners with scuffed knees because they're praying for the forgiveness of their sins in humility, pleading for God's mercy and clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Lord's Day 23, our confession, we confess. We ask a question that undergirds the whole mission of the church, the reason we're here today. What changes for you when you believe in Jesus Christ? Why should I share the gospel with someone else? Why? What can it do for them? What does it help them? Is it worth the sacrifices that need to be made to follow Jesus Christ? Can they be confident enough to remove all the fig leaves and the dirty garments that we build up around ourselves and then ask God just to clothe us with pure vestments from his hand? That's the question to everyone who, every person who hears the wonderful proclamation of the gospel message. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish, but have eternal life. In faith, we confess together Scripture and our catechism that it's definitely worth it to believe all this. When Christ's righteousness is imputed to your account, then God will judge you based on what Christ has done and not based on what you have or have not done. When you believe in the triune God, He makes you perfect so that you never have to enter into judgment. You never have to be embarrassed to meet Christ, your final judge. You never have to be afraid as you confess your sins before the holy God because he has told you that whoever confesses their sins and believes in him will be made clean. Today we do that together as God's people, we recognize our own sins and we humbly receive the kingdom of God like a child. We may once again hear 
the assuring words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, you brother, you sister, you can go to your house justified, clothed with Christ's righteousness, knowing that you will live eternally in his presence. Amen.